passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. My name is Joey Christopoulos with my co-host, Corey Wooten. But first, today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. Football is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams take the field for another football season. And as always, BetOnline, it's your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. It's got a new updated site and interface. There are more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website. Use your mobile device. Sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E. EAV to receive that bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming into the pod. As we like to coin it in Chicago, it's a victory Monday. The Chicago Bears get back in the win column with a 24 to 14 win over the Lions on the lakefront. First, let me bring in my co-host to say hello. He's former Chicago Bears defensive end, also former Lion, but I think he's got a lot more skin in the game with the Chicago Bears. It's Corey Wooten. What's up, Corey? What's going on, my man? It always feels better, you know, when there's a victory Monday. It tastes better, right? It's just there's something about it. It's like a comfort food. Um, and exactly. let's, speaking of comfort food, let's talk about the Detroit Lions. Uh, I think all week long, Matt Nagy, you know, he went to see his therapist and they prescribed him one game versus the Lions. And there's nothing sweeter than on that schedule getting back on the right track. You know, Corey, like, what's your favorite comfort food, man? Like, you know, when maybe you're feeling a little down, you want to feel at home. What is your yeah. Lions for you? It's got to be the pizza, man. I'm, I'm a big pizza yeah. guy being from the East Coast. Uh, so, yeah, I, I got to have my pizza. You know, if you're in a bad mood or you just need a cheap meal, you need something to make you feel good, the good old pizza, and then maybe some ice cream afterwards, you know. Uh, there you go. That's, that's the go-to right there. What about you? Uh, I, I had some pizza this weekend. I don't know, big, big, juicy burger or a huge, like, Italian combo sub with, like, a capicola okay. and, like, and salami and it just okay. loaded with Italian dressing, maybe, like, some chips on the side. And yeah. I'm down with that ice cream, man. I think the ice cream on Sunday was Jared Goff, you know, fumbling in the red zone a couple of times. That came up pretty huge. Let's dive into it, Corey, because the Bears needed the win after their loss against the Browns last week. You know, we were confused. A lot of Bears fans were angry, calling for Matt Nagy's job. They came out there. They did what they needed to do at home. What was the first aspect of the game that, you know, really impressed you the most with this Bears win? Well, we talked about play calling, right? That was the biggest thing, the knock on Matt Nagy. And he finally relinquished his play calling duties, right, to my man Major Lazer. And I'm not talking about the group with Diplo. I'm talking about Bill Lazer. Yeah. I mean, just from the first possession, you know, the, the play calling. Mixing and matching. Remember I talked about using that running game to set up the pass. And that's exactly what he did. He he made Justin Fields feel comfortable, right? And you got your workhorse and David Montgomery. They had some things schemed up. And, and talk about, you know, in a situation on fourth and two, able to game plan that, get the first down, and then get the touchdown on that drive. Start out with the first two consecutive drives with scores, which was huge. So I, I really love the play calling. And I think that's been the biggest knock on the Bears in general. And I'm glad I'm glad he let Laser do his job because that's what he was brought in to do. And you just see the difference. I mean, Justin Fields looked comfortable, right? And even in situations where he didn't have the best throws, it was in a situation where he didn't look like the Browns. He didn't look like in a situation where he had to hold the ball too long. You know, I think they really worked great on, hey, one, two progression. It's not there. Run or throw the ball. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did all day. So I love what I saw from Justin Fields. And the play calling, that, that was the biggest thing. Corey, me and you, we do not have the phone number straight into House Hall, but on the very first play <laughs> of the game, they ran what? You know, a heavy protect set. They brought the tight exactly. ends out there. They, they established it right away. And 
I know that we were clamoring for it for a week, but I think at the end of the day, whether who's right or wrong, or I said this, I told you this, it's, the idea is to get this Chicago Bears team with some kind of identity, right? To hit on some things that they like and that they can take and move forward. I know everyone wants to say, hey, this is the Detroit Lions. They're now 0-4. Competition's going to get harder, but these are the first building blocks and steps that offensives need to find. What does Justin Fields like to do? What, as you said, what makes him comfortable? What makes him confident? What makes this offensive line confident? And I kind of want to ask you if I can maybe kind of work on the inside out offensively. Perfect. And then we'll move to the defense. You know, what did you see from this offensive line? It looked like it was a step in the right direction. Is this a Jekyll and Hyde offensive line, or did you pick out a few things that they did scheme-wise that might be able to help us in the future? Uh, there, there was there were some great things scheme-wise because we talked about the O-line maybe not being the best pass protectors at this point in the game, right? Jason Peters, you know, an aging left tackle, Afadi. He's kind of struggled at times with pass protection, but what they do really well is, is, is running game, right? running the ball and run blocking. And, and you saw that. Early on from the first whistle, they were able to, to move them. Afadi had an amazing block where he completely manhandled the defensive end, outside linebacker, and that was consistent throughout the whole game. And, and we talk about Chicago Bears setting the precedent of what kind of team they're going to be. And I think it's going to be a run-first team. You look at in that first, first half, I mean, it was a run-dominant performance, and, and that's going to be the tone of this offense, right? I don't think they're going to be a team that's going to throw the ball, you know, 50 times a game. That's, that's not how they're going to win games. I think they're going to be a run-dominant team and then set up the play action. And I really love the plan because the last, last week when Matt Nagy was calling the plays, too much holding of the football, right? That, that was the biggest thing. And especially against the old line that's kind of struggling. I, I didn't like that against Miles Garrett. Detroit doesn't have the same rushers, but they had a better plan in place. You know, one, two, get the ball out. You know, if it's not their run. And, you know, when I look at that second half, right, after they got the three and out, that was brilliant play calling, right? A run to David Montgomery, then David Montgomery in the gun, handing the ball off to Mooney for a 10-yard run, setting it up. Works. And then what does it set up? That another hard play action to Allen Robinson, yeah. right? And then the next play after that, right, a nice outcut to Darnell Mooney. Threads the needle, right, in between two defenders, hits that window in there, and they end up scoring on that drive. So that type of play calling is something that we've been missing. And I, I always said the run is going to set up the pass, right, because you keep people off balance. Just like Kevin Stefanski did to the Bears defense, that's what Bill Lazor did to the Detroit defense. And they weren't they weren't a bad defense by any means. They weren't the Browns, but they played the Ravens really well. They played some really good games this season. So I think this was a step in the positive direction. And the Lions, this Lions team's a lot better than people give credit, right? They're 0-3, but they were in every game this season. So, you know, everyone else, oh, the Lions, this, that, and the other. But they're a good team. You have good players. Um you know, if if we didn't get some turnovers in the red zone when they were driving on us, could be, could have been a completely different game. Um, so hats off to Detroit. They, they played a pretty good game, but I just love the plan offensively that we had. And also in that game, keep in mind, Bears fans, they lost, I think, Romeo Aquara at some point in that game to an Achilles. And, uh, you know, he might be out for the year. So, I mean, they, they were kind of losing guys as they went along. And, yeah, you meant you're bringing up some great points. They got 13 rushing first downs in this game. I can't remember the last time you can get a dozen rushing first downs, especially on that fourth and two, which is a great call on your part. And you have to that first half, 19 rushes, 10 passes for the game, 39 rushes, 17 passes. I don't know if it is going to be two to one all season long, but I think you want to get it pretty, pretty close to that number, especially when we're going to get to Justin Fields in a second. But when Justin Fields only completes 11 passes, but each of them feels so game-breaking and dynamic. I think that's something the Bears haven't fans haven't seen for a long time. I do want to get to the big issue. I think it's on a lot of Bears fans' minds. Let's talk about Dave Montgomery. Um, you know, I think it goes without saying, Damian Williams came in and played well um, in his stead after he left with an injury. He, now, he is a quadricep what we're going to have to monitor. Just kind of walk us through the beginning of the game. You know, Dave Montgomery putting up 106 yards, and then just your take on what you saw from that injury and, you know, we're taping this on a Monday right now at 12.49 Pacific time. We all got our fingers crossed right now. Yeah, I, th I think from the reports it said he's going to miss some time. I kind of looked at, like, Ian Rappaport and some of those guys. It looks like he's going to miss some time. I don't know if it's an MCL or meniscus, but it's going to be a couple of weeks. I, I think it's an MCL. 
And MCLs, MCLs red are two to four, right? Two to four weeks, or is two, that four two to, to four six? weeks, yeah. or, or de- depending on the severity of it, right? And it, usually the MCL, you never have to get surgery, but I'm just hoping it's a grade one or grade two, because when you have a grade three, that that takes some time and and possibly uh, some surgical intervention. But I don't think it's going to be anything like that. So I'm hoping it's just a, a mild sprain and he could be back in you know maybe two to four weeks. Um, but the good part is it seems like Damian Williams just has a thigh, thigh bruise. So I think he'll be able to go oh, this week. So it, it looks it looks positive because that one-two punch, man, that was fun to watch because, you, you know, I talked about the pass rushers, keeping them fresh. It was the same thing with the running backs, right? David Montgomery was in there, you know, grinding out these long runs and then, you know, tapped his helmet. Damian Williams came in. It was a change of pace. You know, it was like a bullet through the line. So it was it was good to see that, that one-two punch, you know, kind of thunder and lightning like uh like the giants used to have with tiki barber and ron dane yeah so i i think that's what they could have in there and and it's great it's always great to have some depth in there at the running back position the opposing defenses like really really can't get tabs on anything you know they were tired it, it was tough for them to get a hold of, of what we were going to do and the thing is once you get that running game going those hard play action fakes really kill you because that, then you're bringing people in then it opens up people then you have max protection things of that nature. So that was a good wrinkle that I, that I wanted to see for a while, um, but it was set up by that running game. Can you speak on, you know, if David Montgomery, it looks like, you know, let's just throw him in the doubtful bin for next week against the Raiders and we'll get more information and we'll kind of take it from there. Kind of talk to Bears fans. You played the game. You've been in locker rooms. You've seen offenses before. Can the Bears be successful with a Damian Williams-Khalil Herbert 1-2 combo and still maintain this ratio that seemed to work so well in week four? Yeah, I think they can. Um, It's just about sticking to it. Obviously, um, you know, it's hard to to play without a guy like David Montgomery. But I think this offense is suited, especially with the offensive linemen, the the really good road graders. So if they could just stick with that. And, hey, they might not get the same 10 yards of pop, 12 yards of pop. Williams can do that. Hopefully he's not too banged up with that thigh. So I think he could he could be that David Montgomery replacement. Obviously, he's not the same, but he's a quick guy and he's strong as well. So he can do a little bit of everything. And then Herbert as well. He came in and had some good runs in there, too. So I'm just hoping that they can really get the running game started and and play good defense. Um, you know, I, I, I like what I saw from the defense, but there's definitely you know, we're going to get into that a little bit. There's some there's some issues in there that, that I like to see them clean up in, in this next week. I'm definitely curious. I like Damian Williams a lot. He definitely ran very hard when he came into the game after David Montgomery. You know, it was almost like it did nothing. Nothing changed. They were still moving it. I do. As a Bears fan, I often wonder. You know, those extra two yards that we love David Montgomery so much for. Does that affect our down and distance? You know, moving forward for the next couple of weeks. But I. I yeah. But I think. But I think that as a unit, I think they can continue to stick to their game plan and still have success. Exactly. It's, it's going to take a little bit more maybe of, of putting some more tight ends in there, right? getting to traditional running uh, formations in a certain sense. And I think, you know, using some of those RPOs, you know, when, when a guy like David Montgomery isn't in there to, to really to really capitalize on the defense. There was a couple of times where Justin Fields should have pulled it. You know, mm. the read was that he should have pulled it, but he didn't. Oh, and I mean, he would have had 20, 30 yards easy. Um, yeah, and he had that, a couple opportunities against the Browns that he hasn't, like, yeah. done it yet, right? I don't, yeah, he, he needs to just let it go because I think I think a little of it um, is being nervous, you know, uh, for, for doing the wrong thing or whatever. But he's a playmaker, you know. I, I think him one-on-one against any outside linebacker, defensive end, even if they have a step on him, I'm going to take him all day. You know, I think he has that extra juice. And he needs to use it because once he pulls that one time and gets to the end, I mean, that defensive end outside linebacker is going to be thinking the rest of the game. And then they're going to say, hey, we got to have an extra guy out there. And then what? Play action. Boom. Cole Komet across the middle. Goodwin. Things like that. It's going to just open up everything. So he just needs to have one one time where he pulls it just to keep that defense honest. Even if it doesn't work out, you know, if that's your read and you see him crashing down, pull it. And if they have an extra guy scraping, you know, a safety or something that can run with them, hey, it is what it is. But that safety is is going to you know take out from from a tight end that he's possibly going to cover. So yeah, that's a great call. Not to be like an armchair psych about it, but it almost feels like Justin Fields has so much respect for David Montgomery. How dare I not give you the ball <laughs> on a play? You know what I mean? Because if I give the ball to David Montgomery, good things are going to happen. There's nothing wrong with thinking that. But I'm with you. There's those moments where he does need to show it. Right? We do need to eventually show him. 
do that so that that linebacker can either stay home or they don't flood in the other direction. They were using tight ends. I thought Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet on several occasions did a great job blocking. We saw the I formation yesterday at one point. I think when Herbert's out there, I think you might want to think about doing something along those lines. And all this is bleeding into this passing game, which, Corey, man, we've been talking about it, right? How many times have we said need for speed and, you know, downfield passing, get the play action, get the boots going, open it up, let's see what happens. And we got a glimpse of that yesterday. Justin Fields. And let's talk, you know, Darnell Mooney, and we will get a little Allen Robinson in there as too as well. But let's just start with Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney. Justin Fields, five of seven on passes of 15 yards or more for 172 yards. Corey, that's getting it done. That makes me excited. Bears fans haven't seen that since 2018. Exactly. Um, you know, the last time they've done that is is with uh, what Jay Cutler, right? Was I believe. Jay. Yeah. Exactly. So. We had talked about, you know, them not really stretching the ball beyond 10 yards. And, and in this game, we saw the complete opposite. From the beginning of the game, that first catch with Mooney, the diving catch. Mm-hmm. I mean, just putting it putting it right right where only he can get it. Um, just great connection with them all, all game. And we talked about Mooney needing one of those breakout games, you know, especially after last week where he didn't get the separation that we wanted to see with the Browns. Mm-hmm. But I think just a combination of the play calling, setting everything up, I mean, it was just such a different element. Um, you know, Laser really called things well to isolate, you know, a guy like uh, Darnell Mooney. And it was fun to watch all day. Um, the, the week before, it just seemed like everything was so crammed in there with the different routes and, and everything. It seemed like people were crossing over each other. Um, everything was so spread out this time. You know, it, it, it seemed like they, they, they really made an effort to, hey, let's simplify everything. Let, let's run the routes that we're good at. And that's what they kind of stuck with the whole game. Can you help walk me through what I saw? And I kind of want to hear what you saw as a contrasting compare because I want to learn. Obviously, a lot of people are – that Darnell Mooney catch was fantastic. I think that really galvanizes the rookie's confidence, right, where I can put it out there, maybe be a little bit off on my throw, and you can still come down and make a play. That just keeps that kind of of confidence going. Talk a little bit about what you thought of, you know, those Justin Fields throws – you know, were they quintessential dimes? Um, you know, were some of those, you know, Darnell Mooney made that nice little catch where he kind of had to back up a little bit, but it seemed like yep. it was in a pretty good spot in my eyes. What did you see from that perspective? And also, what did you see in terms of Justin Fields' anticipation, you know, making that progress a little bit? I think there was yep. a lot of people, you know, talking about Nagy last week, but if anyone went out and watched Kurt Warner's study ball, he was – a little on the pro naggy side, but he also kind of broke down some moments in, during that Browns game when Justin Fields just needs to understand that transfer from the college game. Receivers in college get three or four yards open before you throw them open, and then the NFL, it's like one to three feet. And exactly. so when a guy makes a break and he sees a spot and he knows the linebacker's staying soft or, or there's going to be hard press here, you just need to get rid of the football. What did you see from Justin Fields in that regard in this game? Yeah, I I saw him anticipating things. And, you know, at at times, you know, with the Mooney throw, Mooney made a great, great play on it, right? Could have threw it a little more to him so he could have ran afterwards, but that's fine. Mooney made a great play on there. Um, But what play really stood out to me was the Allen Robinson completion on on that first drive in the second half. Oh. You know, when he threaded that window. I mean, that that was an all-pro, pro-ball, Hall of Fame type of throw. I mean, you know, the hard play action, you know, there's that window there. There's tight window because the receiver be- before him, receiver after him. He he had, you know, probably this, this much bit of space to fit it in there, and he put it right on the money to him. And that throw is some growth right there because in the weeks prior, we kind of saw some erratic throws here, him not anticipating stuff, and he knew exactly when he broke the ball was going to be there for him, and it was right on the money uh, in that window. So that that was a, a throw for me that I'm like, hey, this guy can play. And sometimes that's all you need is a throw like that to give you that confidence. Um, and I, he's a special quarterback, honestly. I, I think, um, you know, once this offense really gets going, you know, because right now, you know, Lazer's like, hey, let's, let's make it a two-to-one, you know, in favor of the run game. You know, as he gets more comfortable and the run game really gets going, you know, it, it, it could even out a little more, you know, once he gets more comfortable. But I'm completely fine with this, uh, you know, system going on right now because I, I think it's giving him more confidence. Right. And you just look at the difference. 
you know, him being able to be in the pocket, like putting him in a position to succeed and the offensive lineman. I mean, it's just, it's just something that every play caller should do. That's exactly what Lazer did, you know, and, and the Lions had been dialing up pressure the weeks prior. Um, Lamar Jackson, they pressured him a, quite a bit, but they kept Justin Fields pretty, pretty clean for the most part. You know, I, I, I thought it was a great job. And as a play caller, that's what you have to do. Um, you know, sometimes things aren't always, you're not going to have the personnel that you always want, right? That you're going to hand choose. But a good play caller is going to put them all, every, every 11, 11, one of those 11 guys on the field in a position to succeed. And that's what we saw on Sunday. Yeah, and you've been talking about it for a couple weeks now. This just this concept of the plays themselves aren't special. It's the players who run them that are special. So you can do right. some stuff that maybe, you know, seems more fundamental or a two-to-one run to pass ratio, it's going to set up a player that has the talent of Justin Fields perhaps up for more success if you're doing these exotic things and you're trying to trick someone every single play with a jet sweep or, you know what I mean, the shovel pass and all this other stuff. And I think we got a chance to see it a little bit. The other part that I liked about Justin Fields was there was a couple moments where the plays weren't exactly successful, and I'm kind of blanking on all of them in their specificity, but I felt like there was a couple of moments where the pocket kind of collapsed a little bit and he had an opportunity to like kind of throw off platform or off mm-hmm. back foot stuff that you see rookie quarterbacks do stuff that we saw Trubisky do stuff that we seen Jay mm-hmm. Cutler do. And he seemed to resist that temptation where he would either try and step up or he resist the, the urge to sidearm sling it. And it, yep. I, I think actually both times they were incompletions, but they weren't bad fundamental throws i did like that he kind of sort of i guess a rookie maybe tries to make something out of nothing too much trying to please trying to impress i just thought he played with really good discipline yesterday and for me you know that darnell mooney throw the second one what was it for 67 yards and then darnell almost kind of kind of skated his way into the end zone i just love that throw so deeply because it was right on the money he's our fastest receiver and honestly we have not seen that from the quarterback position since Trubisky versus the Buccaneers week five or six of like Wait, 25, five touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know right what I mean? That, like, yeah. and, and that's the kind of stuff that I think bears fans have really been clamoring for. Conversely, what is your take on a little bit of what's going on with Allen Robinson? What do you see for him in the future? I mean, he, he, he had a solid game. Don't get me wrong, but this is Allen Robinson. This is a Rob guy only yeah. gets three targets in the game, three targets that go for 62 yards. Don't get me wrong, but where do you see him fitting into this offense moving forward? Do you think it's only a matter of time or, you know, w- what's your take on that right now? Yeah, I think, I think it's only a matter of time. And I think majority of teams are going to focus in on him, but now Mooney having his breakout game, it kind of solidifies him as, as an equal threat in there. So I think it's going to open up for, for a Rob. So I, I take this game with a grain of salt. I mean, in, in the catches he had, he looked good in there. He looked yeah. good on route running, you know, better separation all around, you know, good. from top to bottom on the receiver core. But I think I think uh, as the season goes on, we're going to we're going to see more balance between Mooney and Robinson because both of them are game breakers. And, uh, you know, like you said, Mooney is one of our fastest receivers. So there's going to be a little more attention on him. You know, when you used to just be able to focus on a guy like Robinson. So I think it, it's great for the team. And then you look at, look at a guy like Goodwin. I mean, he's looked good out there in his route running and, and et cetera. And then Cole Komet, hopefully, you know, he can come out there and do some stuff and Jimmy Graham in the red zone. So I think when things all, all cylinders are, are firing, I think it's going to be a pretty scary offense. And, you know, it may not be scary in, in, in like an L.A. Rams type type of deal or something like that. But, you know, it's going to be a grind them out team that can really keep you off balance, you know, kind of similar to the Browns, you know, at times when they're really rocking. And Corey, what a novel concept. The opposing team needs to respect other offensive weapons on on the team. I mean, this is an interesting this is an interesting development for this Chicago Bears offense right, right? now. Something right? that I don't know if we've been talking about it or asking for it, but we're starting to see it a little bit. And now we're you know we get a full steam ahead against the Raiders next week. Uh, let's go to the other side of the ball, Corey. A lot to talk about, a lot to break down. I think yeah. there's some positives. There's probably a little negative. There's probably some criticisms too as well. You know, where would you like to start with your overall thought on the on the defense yesterday? You know, I thought I thought they played a pretty solid game, right? Um, my one knock, right? I'm, I'm going to start out with the negative first. I'm going to say lack of pressure at times, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there were situations where there was third and long where I thought the size should have dialed up the blitz because they weren't getting that same pressure they had a week prior. 
And uh, there were situations where Goff was holding the ball, patting the ball, and there was nobody pressuring him. And those were situations where they completed, you know, third and long a few times. And I was like, you know, he's holding the ball too long. And he should have got to the point after that happened one time to really bring that blitz package. And you saw at the end of the game on that fourth and one, you know, when they were trying to score at the end of the game where they brought somebody in Jared Goff's face and even just that pressure, right? There was a routine throw and he kind of, you know, short-armed it just because that pressure coming in his face. I thought that was something that he should have done more because in certain games, your front four is not going to get there like another game. It just is what it is, right? The, the, the guys in front of you get paid, but I thought it was a situation where he should have dialed up blitz more because when he did, they were successful. Roquan, when they dialed him up, one-on-one -on -one against a back every time. That was Ooh, awesome. Oh, ole, 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 ole. That's what they call did the Mac, the Mac leap, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like <laughs> so, so that's a situation like Roquan one-on-one -on, -one on a running back. That's 99.9% .9 of the time he's going to win. So I like that, you know, and then they had a blitz when Matt got the sack, right? They brought, they brought, uh, was it Shelly off the edge? I couldn't remember. Uh, Shelly or Bush? I don't know. Deion Bush, Bush. was all, oh, yeah, was Bush. Bush was all over Bush. the field. He had a great game yesterday. Yeah, sorry, it was Bush. And uh, yeah, he came off the edge. So what they ran was a Texas stunt, you know, a Texas stunt. So what it was, was um, Bush came up the field, right? Khalil Mack went, went up the field and then came underneath. So that, that, illusion of pressure right there bringing an extra guy freed up mac right and that's a guy that everybody has all eyes on but you got to honor bush in there so that was another another wrinkle that Desai brought to the table that really confused them and your best player was even able to get free under there so that's why i thought in that game he should have dialed up the, the the blitz especially on the third and five and longer situations just because they weren't getting that consistent pressure up front you know quinn did a few times uh, gibson did but when the situation, you know, a, a third and long, they shouldn't be able to complete that, you know, how they were completing that. Yeah, I felt a little bend, don't break at times. And obviously, I think we'll we'll get to the red zone stuff um, in just a moment. You know, that, that that was the call of NFL Network Stacey Dales when she joined us on yeah. the last pod, too, was that golf struggles under pressure. Okay. Dial it up and make him make him make some choices, make him see it. And even if you're not that successful, at least you're bringing that heat and he's thinking about it now. Um, you know, what was your take on, you know, on one side, we lost to Keem Hicks after the first play to a groin. We'll see how that goes. Another fingers crossed situation. Eddie Goldman dressed again, got hurt, left the game. So our interior, I think, had a little bit of a transition point during that game yesterday. Exactly. And I thought Jamal Williams running between the tackles did a pretty good job at times, yeah. you know, moving the chains up the field for them. But that opened up the door for guys like Tonga and Gibson. Yep. So. You know, it might not have been pretty as they transitioned during that game, but talk about the young guys in the middle there. Were you were you impressed? What yeah, did you, what no, you like? I thought ninety nine played well. Yeah, he did. Gibson was was fun to watch out there. He he's a guy that has a lot of talent, right? He's a young guy. You kind of looks, like looks like you, buddy. He kind of looks like you, just a little bit. Exactly in the background right there, right? <laughs> Back in the day when I was when I was a lean lean and mean, you know. Now, yeah. now I'm just dad bot over here. No, but <laughs> he, he looked he looked good all day. I, I love what I saw from him. His his pass rushing, his effort. Um, he was really key in there. And remember, I talked about that rotation. When guys go down, you want people to step up. And that, that's what you saw across the board, especially younger guys in there. Um, it, it's, it's fun to watch. But the, the one negative, like I said, was, was the consistent front four pressure, right, just with the front four. So, you know, I think, I think in situations like there, maybe they have to run some more games with, with those front four as opposed to straight rushing, which they did all day. Mm. Because just watching them so far, it seems like, they just like the straight rush, right? That's what we that's what we used to signal. Most of the guys around the league, straight rush, you know? They need some more Texas games or exit, you know? Um, exit is where, where the def defensive end goes one step up and then inside and then picks the guard and then tries to get through. Oh, and, and, then, then, the, and then, the, then the the tackle comes and then goes outside. And then the Texas cool. game is, is the one that Bush and, and Khalil Mack where, where the uh, defensive tackles first, then the end cuts with the field, and it comes underneath. So they got to run that, and then they could run a tango game inside, you know, where, where the tackle comes inside, the other tackle comes and attracts the center, and then loops around. So there's so many different stunts that they can run, but I think instead of the straight rush with their front four, you got to mix it up with games. Then you can have guys thinking, and then you run one of those fake exit games where the defensive acts like he's coming in. Oh! goes back outside you know so yeah. those are situations where you could really get that offensive line thinking and for the third week in a row Corey, um it's becoming a regular staple here on the mm -hmm. show We've got to talk a little bit about robert quinn but more importantly i want to talk about third week in a row 
Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, this one-two punch now, mm-hmm. whether you line them up on the same side a couple of times, whether they're yeah. on both sides. These guys are getting it done. They're picking up about a sack a game. And this one, Robert Quinn with the huge strip. Khalil Mack picks it up. Almost shovel passes it to Eddie Jackson, yeah. you know, to Bojack. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost a perfect, perfect Bears defense bingo card of all your favorite players making a play on that. But just talk about what it's like to have that combo playing at a high level right now, moving forward into what we're uh, we've long said is the is a bear a teeth of the schedule coming up. Uh, it's huge. Um, that's something that we had been missing uh, for a while since Khalil Mack first got here. Right when he initially got here. We thought that guy would be Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd kind of never lived up to the potential here. You know, since he went to the Rams, you know, he's really elevated his career as a pass rusher, right? Mm-hmm. It's always when they leave, right? Um, but Robert Quinn, we bring him in last year after the prior year, we had 11 and a half for the Cowboys. And we're thinking, oh, you know, we got one of the best rushers of this decade, you know, and, and we got two of the best rushers in this decade. Oh, it's going to be great. He only has two last year. And then all the attention is on Khalil Mack throughout the season. And what you see this year is, they're, they're not doubling Khalil Mack as much because it's like pick your poison, right? You got two talented rushers. It's, o- it's almost like they're sliding and chipping help against Robert Quinn because he's been the more dominant rusher. And I called it before the season. I said, listen, he's going to be fired up after last season. He only had two sacks. He's really going to be motivated like, I, hey, I can still rush in this league. Hey, my the, hairline the may, four and a half may be going back a little bit, but hey, I can rush. I'm old man Quinn, baby, you know? Hey, um, no, but he, what is, he, wait, what's going on up there, Corey? What's going on up there? And what would you tell, what would you tell your man uh, about what to do moving forward? Cause it, I don't know. Hey. I, it doesn't come for us all, but sometimes we just got to sort of say to ourselves, Hey, you know, um, with, with my daughters, you know, I watched that, uh, that, that movie frozen, you know, let it go. Let <laughs> it go. <laughs> you just got to let it go, man. Um, I was like, Whoa, you know, and sometimes you see these people, you're like, man, you make way too much money that, <laughs> He's got a beard, you know. You just gotta let it go. Um, that that's what it is, you know. Some yeah, it looks like have... some sort of weird barbecue mishap. You know what I mean? Where it's just like portions of it got <laughs> yeah. ripped off. And stuff. I know he looks like my dad if he tried to grow out his hair a little bit. You know, <laughs> no. But all jokes aside, I I don't care what your haircut is, how you look. Yeah, me neither. The way the, the way he's been playing has has been great to see, and this is what we've been waiting for opposite Mac, and it's great to see it because. Quinn, I mean, he just has a different level of burst this year that we didn't see last year, you know, just the way he's using his hands. And what I love the most is he's playing the run so well. Last year, we didn't see that. I honestly think he was banged up all season, but he didn't say anything. You know, I think he's that type of player that's not going to say anything. Um, can, I, can I ask a quick question, too? Yeah. He spent all training camp last year in and out of training camp. I think it was a knee, actually. Yeah. What he missed the first game of the season too, right? Yeah, he missed the first game of the season okay. too as well. Okay. So my question for you just to follow up on that is, is it sometimes, yeah, you know, even if you're not hurt but you're not 100%, what is it like to just be behind schedule? You know, you miss training yeah. camp, you're not in shape, you miss that first game. What is it like to play through a season when you're just not yeah. up to speed maybe with the rest of the league, you know? It, it's it's tough because there's some guys, um, you know, I play with guys like Julius Peppers, right? He had an MCL sprain and – he play, they said he's supposed to sit out like a week or two and he played right through it, had two sacks against Donovan McNabb. And, you know, it, it was, it was unbelievable to see, but um, majority of people, I think sometimes they come back too early from an injury, right? Because he, he, my, my thing is like this in the league, if you've established yourself enough, a guy like Robert Quinn, right? I think he has the coach's respect. He has the player's respect. They're going to listen to him. And if he says he's not a hundred percent, they're going to listen to him. He, he has that right as a player, right? A guy like Gibson, a younger guy, maybe doesn't have that right. If you're not 100%, you still have to be out there. That, that's just is what it is. If not, they're going to find somebody else that could take your spot. But a guy like Quinn, they're going to wait on him until he gets 100%. So I think in a situation like that, any player, and I think that's what you're seeing with Tariq Cohen, I think he's going to wait until he's healthy, you know, because I, I don't think he's quite healthy yet. And I think it would do a disservice to the team and his career if he comes back too early, you know? So I think players in general, if you're not a hundred percent in this league, you know, I think you have to be selfish in some regards. And then, you know, I know it's a team sport, but at the end of the day, right. If you're, if you're not being productive, right. They could have cut Quinn after this past year, right. Because he wasn't productive. You know um, I think they, they were willing to give him another chance at it just because of his reputation and what they think he could do. But at the same time, you have to be selfish, right? And you got to think about yourself and you got to think about 
you know, your career and your family and, and securing the most money you can. That, that's sometimes what it comes down to. And I, I hate to be selfish about it, but it's a business, right? You know, in the yeah. corporate world, it's the same thing. And I feel like that's what fans don't realize sometimes is, is the fact that, listen, at the drop of a dime, you're not performing, you're gone, right? And, and you know, one, one bad season, that, that could be the end of your career right there, right? You know, but, but if you wait until you're healthy, and let's say you play five games that season as opposed to 15 and you do really well, that could extend your career another three to five years. So sometimes you, you, you got to think about your, your future and, and what makes sense. Well, in terms of your future, just Bears fans, think about any backup running back that we have ever signed over the last six or seven years, whether it's a Chester Taylor or a Mike Davis. We don't utilize them properly. They don't produce. And then they're almost out of the league like that very next year. Thankfully, Mike Davis was able to find a spot in Carolina where he was able to get some reps when Christian McCaffrey went down. And now he's still playing. He's in Atlanta now, but that was because he went to a spot and almost, I don't want to say got lucky, but you know what I mean? Like he signed that deal with us. We didn't use him properly. We ended up cutting him. All of a sudden he's napalm for some reason. No, he's still a good player. Just the scheme and the fit didn't work out. In terms of Tariq Cohen, I'm right there with you. You know, he's signed up. You know, we gave him a long-term deal. He's got money. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I can't agree with you more where – I'm really starting my temper, my temper, my expectations with him because I'm with you, man. If you can't help us and you can't give us your top end speed, just just wait until you come back. And I would almost maybe say that to Bears fans about maybe anyone that starts thinking, "Ooh, well, you know, maybe Tevin Jenkins can come back, you know, after the six or seven week mark of the, you know, if it's seven to ten weeks, maybe he can come back in that seven weeks. I got to be honest with you, we got to think long-term with this guy. And on top of that, if you want to think in the present too as well, he's got to be able to help us, right? Exactly. Just because he's healthy doesn't mean that he's ready to go and he's ready to play NFL football at the exact same time. So I completely agree with you on that front. You know, a guy like Chris Williams that was drafted uh, a couple years before I got there, right? He's a guy that had a back injury um, during training camp, and they kind of tried to rush him through it. And uh, it, it really backfired on him. He had some issues, and I, I know – it's a situation where they probably should have took their time a little more because backs and knees, those are things you don't play around with. You know, I, I think those are, those are really crucial to you having a long career is keeping those healthy. And uh, with Tevin Jenkins, I think like this, if he's not feeling hundred percent, that back's not feeling strong. His core is not feeling strong. This might be a situation where you just let him sit out the year. Yes. Right? I, I think you can game plan around. I think, I think Peter's a potty. I think, I think they can game plan around them. Borum will be back too as well. Exactly. Borum will be back, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think you can, you can navigate, but it's all, it's all about long-term and sometimes people, cause it's, I, we have to win now. But if you have a guy that is expected to be your left tackle of the future, right? That you're potentially going to be a, a four-year starter to you, to the, to the rookie contracts up and then re-up him. You, you, you got, you got to make sure he's healthy. You know, you got to think about that, but sometimes it's, it's, a, it's on a player too, because they want to rush back and they're hungry to get in there, especially being a young guy, but you got to realize, you got to think about the future and you got to think about, Hey, you know, if I come back too quick, Am I going to mess up my back worse for the long term? Because yeah, even after football, right? You you want to you want to be good enough to run with your kids, play with your kids, li live an active lifestyle still. So sometimes you got to think you got to think about the bigger picture. I believe they did that to Mark. Mark that happened to Mark Colombo too, as well in the two thousand. Exactly. I, I don't remember the, if that was a back or if that was a foot, but you know they. I think it was I, a knee or something. Knee knee or, because yeah. he didn't resurface. He resurfaced on Dallas, I think, two or three years down the road and was able to play in the league again. But it really got derailed, I think, by pushing that envelope. And I also say my, my final thought on Tevin Jenkins is I know we love talking about Justin Fields and how we want to set him up for success. And we got to do this right. And how does Nagy develop Justin Fields? Bears fans, I, I implore you, we have to take our time with Tevin Jenkins because I think his development and setting him up for success and getting him back when he's 100% healthy, when he can actually help us, might be just as important because he's going to be watching Justin Fields' ass hopefully for the next yeah. 10 years. You know what I'm saying? So Exactly. We can't, we can't rush this dude back, and you're bringing up such great points too about back injuries and not just for yeah. their NFL career, but for the rest of their lives too, as well. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and, and talking real quick, talking about the injuries. Yeah. So, you know, I, th I think when it comes to a knee injury, right, there's, there's a few positions that I think can come back a little quicker, right. And, mm -hmm. and you don't have to worry as much. Right. I think sometimes, it, you know, an offensive lineman, I think they come back pretty quickly from that because there, there's less movement that they have to do less cutting 
you know, it's more in the trenches. Um, you know, I think they can come back quicker. I think a quarterback can a lot of times if they're not a super mobile quarterback. Um, look at Joe Burrows, right? He came back super quick. You know, they brace you up, have you feeling good. But I think the speed positions, you know, the guys that are running, cutting, um, that are explosive, they're really explosive. It takes them a lot longer to, to come back sometimes, you know, because I, I think, you know, just getting over that mental hurdle, you know, that you can, that you can cut on it and plant the same way, you know, it takes time. I, I told my ACL, it, it took a good two years before I felt really comfortable, um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not as close. I was never as close to explosive as three Cohen. So I can't imagine what he's going through. Right. He's at that point right, right now where it probably doesn't feel right. You know, his knee doesn't feel right to him. And, uh, you know, sometimes it, it never feels exactly like it used to, you know, once you have surgery, you know, you, you could, you could be able to function and look good at this, but to you, it'll always feel a little bit different. I don't care what anybody says. I don't think anyone that's had an ACL or shoulder, they're going to say, Oh yeah, it feels exactly the same because when, when you go in there un, under the knife, everything feels just a little bit different. You may be able to do everything you, you could and not lose any speed, but stuff is going to feel a little different. You learn how to adapt to that. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing for him coming back because he'd never thought about, okay, planning, cutting. And when you first come back, you're thinking about, oh, you know, let, let, let me make sure I make this cut the right way. And, you know, even look at Joe Burrows in that, in that first game where he got hit kind of low and he, he came up gimpy. You know, and I think it's just a mental thing that you, you got to get over with the ACL. And sometimes it takes people longer than others. Adrian Peterson, that's the most unique example that I've ever seen somebody come back from an ACL. It was unbelievable. Going for over 2,000 in an ACL year when he's, you know, eight months removed from an ACL. That was unbelievable. Yeah, and then he ran for a thousand yards, I think, when he was like thirty-three or thirty-four, which isn't that doesn't really happen anymore. Either. Yeah. I mean, that dude, Purple Jesus, uh, he's a different, <laughs> he's a different, he's a different cat altogether. Um, and obviously, the one that we had to play twice a year in our division for many, many years. What fun! What 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 fun to be able to be graced with that. Real quick, um, before our final topic, I do want to ask you. Uh, we're on the same topic here. Uh, Hakeem Hicks in the groin. Uh, what is groin injury like for a uh, defensive lineman? And on top of that. Are groin injuries sometimes the thing where uh, we don't know the severity? I don't want to speculate, but I'm kind of asking gradient level here. Can mm -hmm. a groin injury sometimes be, hey, Akeem, man, if you're not if you're if it's feeling a little tight on you, we're not going to put you back out there because things can be made worse with the groin. And, yeah. and how do you know? How do you think that could affect him? And maybe the timeline that we should expect he could be out for. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that he didn't finish the game, I think that's a little concerning, you know, uh, you know, because I think when when if, if he would have just tweaked it, I think they would have wrapped it up, put some icy hot on there. And I think he would he would have been OK to go. So I think it's a little bit more serious than than, you know, we, we like to think. Um, so I'm just hoping, you know, how how bad the grade of strain is and, you know, if he if he possibly had a, you know, a little bit of a tear in it. Um, those can be really nagging because you, you look at, you know, a guy like him, you know, on, on some of the stunts when you're really pushing off those inside, you know, adductors or abductors, what, what the inside you're, you're, you're growing muscle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I thought. Yeah. But when you push off that, that puts a lot of strain on that. And, you know, think about, you know, so, somebody having a strain in there or a tear. I mean, that's really going to nag you. And then, you know, being able, being able to throw the guy off you and then, you know, cr cross over with that leg to get to the ball carrier. It's a situation where it could, it could be really nagging. And, and I think, he could potentially be out this week. Um, I'm hoping that he could possibly, you know, maybe, maybe go. Um, it just depends. You know, sometimes they give, they give people that injection before the game and you're good to go. Afterwards you're hurting, but uh, it just depends his pain tolerance. So I, it'll be interesting to see this week on, on the injury report, what they list him as. And, you know, if, if, if they've already announced that, that he's out this week. Yeah. Maybe there's a way that they can, sit him for a week and try and get him ready for Green Bay in two weeks or exactly. something along those lines and try and not make it a long-term maintenance thing if they can like nip it in the bud, as they say right now. My final question for you, it kind of relates to our next week's matchup against the Raiders. Uh, as we're taping this right now, we have not watched the Raiders play on Monday night. Chargers, Raiders, so honestly, we do not know anything about injuries um, and their health of their team going forward. Uh, but I do want to ask you about where our defense is right now and what your thought process is in terms of how we would match up against the Raiders. As I've been saying on this pod every single week, Bears fans, just pull up the wide receivers on the other team and just match them up with our secondary right now because I still feel like that's a little bit of an area of concern. Personally, yeah. right now, Henry Ruggs scares the living daylights out of me. 
Um, yeah. Darren Waller, yeah. I think, is a problem for any defense, no matter what, uh, no matter what name's on the helmet of the jersey. How do you think this defense is trending right now compared to what they're going to face next week against the Raiders? I think they're trending in the in the right direction. Um, the one area I think next week is going to be crucial is getting after Derek Carr because I think he's similar to the Jared Goff type. I mm-hmm. think when everything is going good and he has a clean pocket, he looks really great. And, and that's how jo- uh, Goff looked last week when, when he was able on those third and long situations, pat his feet, pat the ball, multiple throws, multiple reads, you know, and then complete the ball downfield. So we don't want to do that. I, I, want, I want Sean Desai to, to dial up that blitz package early on. I, I don't want him to wait for the front four to get there. It would be great for that. But I, I want pressure early on because I think Derek Carr is a guy that's shown he's gotten flustered. I, at one point in time, the locker room had like kind of he kind of fell off with the locker room when he when he got we got hurt. It was a couple of years ago and he yeah. didn't get up. And and I think I think some people had said stuff under their crying. breath about him. Yeah, yeah, he's crying. And I think people, that, you know, had man. said stuff under under their breath. And that that's kind of concerning with me. You know, I'm like, oh, were they were they really not buying into this guy or think he's not tough? So I think he's a guy you gotta get after. Um, and I, I think this match match up well. You know, you look at you look at TJ Hawkinson last week. That was the guy that we had to stop, right? I thought we did a pretty good job on him, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's he's exactly like Waller. They're going to flex him out sometimes. They're going to put him in a wide receiver role at times. And that's what this league is becoming. You're seeing the kind of tweener, a, a tight end that's not really a wide receiver, not really a traditional tight end, but he's a guy that can run. He's athletic. He can use his body. So I, I look at them, too, as, as the same type of tight end, you know, a guy that you can, you can put in an H, but you're going to split him out most of the time, and you're going to have him match up on a safety at times. And he's going to use his body well. He's going to be able to run. He's athletic. So I think I think that's a tough matchup. And then and then Riggs as well. I mean, he's a super explosive receiver. So I, I think it comes down to the pressure. Because I've said from the beginning, this team is run by the front four, front seven. And I, I think early on, if you pressure him, you get him uncomfortable, right? And you stop that run. I think they could be successful. But I think it's going to come down to – dialing up that blitz package so when you get in third third down situations they're more successful than they were last week you know Jared Goff had way too much time at times but when they dialed up the blitz they're able they're able to get the Roquan sack you know uh Khalil Mack sack you know that fourth and one they were able to have Jared Goff have that Aaron throw so dial up dial it up you know like old school AOL dial it up <laughs> yeah <laughs> bring your quarters bring your quarters to the game and put them in and, and dial it up the only part that maybe i would add to that too is what i really liked against hawkinson was it seemed like not every single time he caught the ball he only caught i think three or four passes but on multiple occasions every time he caught it dm bush was right there to give him something to think about you gotta hit right? him yeah, feel that, and for know? a guy like waller too i mean just maybe one or two of those he's still gonna get his catches and stuff but I don't know. I'd imagine if I played football, even if I was the most fierce football player in the world, if I took a couple quick ones early in the game, yeah. maybe two point four seconds, I'd be thinking about it. Once the ball's in my yeah. hands, oh, I'm about to take it. on you. You're, you get a little alligator arms, they say, you know, yeah. you get a little alligator arms when you're going to catch that next ball. But, you know, a, a lot of these guys, um, you know, nowadays, they don't like to take hits and, and that's not a knock on them. It's just what the league has become. You know, there's, you know, they're protecting the receivers a lot more. Um, so, you know, when somebody gets a, gets a real big hit, you know, that they, they don't <laughs> – the next time they're a little cautious going over that middle. And, I mean, that's how it should be. You know, you, you need to set the tone, and, and you got to do it within the confines of the game. You know, people are being more cognizant of using that shoulder, uh, using that using that forearm. And I think, I think you got to let them know. You got to set the tone defensively. Like, hey, if you're going to come across the middle – you, you're not going to get hit in the head anymore, but you're going to get hit in the chest. Corey, we got to go. But speaking of the confines of the game, uh, that Cleo Mack personal foul, dude, that's like that just like made my blood boil. I, <laughs> I can't I, even imagine it. I, I get it. But like if you're going to bat the ball, first of all, he makes contact with the ball, which means that it's a live ball, which means exactly. that it should be fine. And then how do you not how do you not follow through? It's called like human anatomy and physics. That part I will just never Well it's the same it's the same thing like when you when you hit a quarterback, right? If 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 you hit him legally, you can't fall on him some of the time. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that's the thing, like you, you momentum, you know, we're talking about all these science words and then you're just trying to go against that. So I'm like, okay, great. 
you know, and, and, and got guys are going to get injured trying to stop that. Like you can't tell a, you know, 270 pound, 300 pound man to hit somebody and then stop. Like, you know, you, move your you full weight. Cause you can't put your full weight on and move exactly. all those 300 pounds over to the side. When you go to the ground, it Do- doesn't make any sense, but Hey, you know, well, you know, what, you, just make it a five yard penalty for crying out loud. Like incidental. You don't even have to whatever incidental helmet contact with the quarterback. Make it five yards. Don't make it 15. Yeah. Don't make it so punitive. It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Uh, Corey, Corey, we got to roll, man, because we're going to get uh, super excited. and We're going to start our work for Bears Raiders coming up this week. But this was a Bears Lions post game. Bears win a week four. We both moved to two and two on our picks. Yeah. We're at a we're going to be at a crossroads next week. Let's see where we're at with this one. Uh, Corey, great episode, man. Um, oh, wait, before uh, before you take it home, today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code Believe BLEAV for all those great deals all season long as BetOnline has partnered with Believe Podcast Network. Thank you so much for checking out this pod. Corey, man, take us home. It's Victory Monday. Man, Victory Monday, great play calling. That's what we wanted to see this whole time. We really saw the offense the way it should have always rolled. Um Great win. Uh, even bigger game this week. You know, really need to start out the offense strong. Play call. Want to see them dial up that blitz. And hey, we're, we're gonna we're gonna have it a couple of days. We're gonna have that preview. We're gonna have the the game plan. We're gonna have all the ingredients for the win. Uh, and I think this is a very winnable game. So we're gonna break that down next week. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Corey Wooten, C O R E Y. W two two O's two T's O N um, and yeah comment like feedback Lo- love to hear what you guys think yeah uh, please follow me on socials at Joey Sports Guy I can't agree with Corey Moore definitely like uh, definitely like our podcast subscribe give us a rating um, bring us some comments too as well and also these videos are going to start to be posted up on YouTube as well on the Believe Podcast Video Network so make sure you check that out and drop your questions and concerns because we love talking to you guys and trying to give you guys some feedback and what our thoughts are with the bears moving forward. Cause honestly, the season starts kind of this week. They're two and two. Now the real schedule starts to begin and we're happy and here to help. And honestly, thank you so much for listening guys. Listenership has been way, way, way up recently. So thank you so much for coming in to tune in. Hope to see you back later this week until then. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And Hey, this week, go get yourself some pizza, have yourself an Italian sub. Cause it's time to bear down. It's a victory week. Here we go. Hey, baby. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.